pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. K-O-N-E, Lubbock. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher Jarrett Johnson. The Beard Sports Director Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. Hello, it's a, another a cold, cold Friday here. And we're at Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd near, uh, you know, the Marshart Freeway out here near Wol- Wolferth. Come by today for... Uh, some tasty Buffalo Wild Wings food and drink, and uh, enjoy the uh, Rock and Pregame show with us here on Rock 101. I have now been uh, handed a hermetically sealed envelope where we will reveal what is coming up on today's show. Here we go. Today. Yeah. And if it wasn't hermetically sealed, would it not sound like that? Dear Jeff, here are your test results. We have found... Oh, wait a minute. Wrong envelope. Ah. My bad. This sounds like the morning show, <laughs> which I like. I'm a fan of. It's positive. All right. So um, let's see. What do we uh, What do we got here today? Um, obviously, uh, we have a lot of recruiting news like we always do. Um, there's some new offers that have gone out uh, for football. Uh, three new... Is there three new offers or three Actually, new commits? I have four new offers. Four new and offers. And I just want to do an overview. We're in the middle of a dead period. I just want to do an overview of the 2023 class. All right. So that's coming up. Plus, uh, we'll reveal this week's Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. Um, also joining us today to talk some Red Raider baseball, Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout uh, will be here to uh, talk about. Well, you know, Tag got started last weekend in the tournament in Arlington and one of uh, one of three. It's better than so, last so, year. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's a tough, that's a pretty tough field to start yep. the season with, though. But um, let's see. We'll talk about that. And, uh, yeah, Keith will be around for a couple of segments with us. And uh, let's see, Red Raider basketball getting ready to take on TCU in Fort Worth tomorrow. And then you got a uh, home game Monday night against K-State. So we'll be talking about that, plus an update on the Lady Raiders and the Full Court Press wrapping up the show there right around 1 o'clock. So uh, that's it. As usual, though, we always start. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Let's get going with the Rockin' Reality Jack. Pete, I always like when you start because you, right. you always you always uh, you always bring the heat, you know. Well, and we need some heat today. I'm freezing, and uh, huh. I, let me mention a Tech baseball game today postponed. Yep. Uh, moved to a, a doubleheader on Sunday, so you got a single game tomorrow and a doubleheader Sunday, Kent State. Uh, and I'm sure you're saying, "Thank God, I didn't want to go out and sit there today." Today's not one of those days. Baseball is not a cold weather sport, and nope. I, I don't know yeah. what it is. I could set in zero-degree weather and watch a football game yeah, outdoors. you're right. But I cannot sit in cold weather and watch baseball. It just, it's the, the game, it's too slow-paced. Yes. And, it, and you have more time to, to think about how cold it is. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's probably uh, some truth to that. Yeah, I, I just can't, uh, I love baseball, but man, it's just, it is a warm-weather sport for me. So. Well, and I hope the warm weather's coming. So with that uh, uh, set aside, uh, I just, you know, again, I'm excited about the, uh, the allurement, the uh, excitement, the, uh, the glow 
of Texas Tech athletics right now. Just, uh, I mean, I'd like to bottle this up because, you know, we've had some crappy years. And I know Tech football hadn't played a game yet, but I'm excited with, with Joey McGuire. Of course, Tech basketball, super excited uh, for where the Red Raiders are going to go and, and, you know, where will they be in the tournament. And uh, we know they're in. It's not like they're battling. And, uh, man, if they can play at Fort Worth, uh, it would be unbelievable. So for the been, tournament, you mean? For the tournament, yeah. yeah. So I've been envisioning that. And, you know, I've seen ESPN had them going to the West, and Baylor got the two seed going to Fort Worth. And, Tech went to San Diego, and I mean, that's not bad, that's not bad but I would love Fort Worth, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, what the fans do tomorrow, uh, how many can get in there and, and make it a, another home set, and maybe they can get the, the sweep of all the Texas teams, Baylor, Texas, and TCU, so tomorrow's game, uh, another big one, 5 o'clock, and, uh, you know, and then uh, the only other thing I'm going to mention is we had our, my little lunch this week, it was Roosevelt football coach uh, Matt Landers, and he had a great message of don't ask why, ask what. And, uh, where? And, and, huh? Where? Don't where? ask why. Yeah, where. Ask where. And, and, you know, where can I help? And, you know, everybody's like, you know, why do I have to do this? Why, why is that? Why, you know, you know, you know, ask what. What can you do for your wife? And, you know, where, where can I help? And, and so. That's uh, not know. what your country can do for you, Pete. <laughs> well, but just, you know, we, we need, you know, people need to step up and, and, and help, especially the people around you. So, and, and, you know, there are bigger and global things going on. I'm not even getting into that. Uh, you know, I, I got my own issues. But are you I, talking I, about World War III? Well, I'm just talking about oh, okay. there's some things yeah. going on out there. And, you know, so uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, yesterday I was in Littlefield, and I made a ride out to Abernathy, and I took Highway 54. And if everybody's, anybody's ever been out there, just a spacious area you can see for miles. And I just sat, as I was driving, I said, man, you know what? I love living in West Texas and in Lubbock. And I, I was really counting my blessings on Highway 54 yesterday. So uh, I think that's my reality check. You know, it's interesting, though. I was talking about this yesterday morning, actually, on my other show I do. And it was, uh, and I was just talking about with everything going on in the world, you know, and you just worry about all that stuff. And you, you wish you could be the, well, I don't know if you wish, but you've always felt like you got to be the general manager of everything going on everywhere, you yeah. know, yeah. and worrying about it that's and all. That's a good way to put it. And but then I thought, you know, these are the times that remind me of why I'm so glad that I live here. Because, you know, people always say, oh, I love it. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You know what? Great. I love that. Because we're going to be one of the last places that anybody cares right. about. You know, and, and there's sometimes I just think it's so great to be where we are. Because, you know, if you just break it all down day to day, life right here, right now, is really good. Aside from what may be going on all around the globe, all the stuff and all the worry. But right here, you know, here we are. Lubbock, Texas, life is good today, you know? And so I just always try to remind yeah. myself of that. And I like being out in the middle of nowhere, honestly. So, Well, we're really not in the middle of nowhere. I got some <laughs> friends who live out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's a lot of stuff here in Lubbock now. but uh, Well, I, you know, I'm just saying just the, the, I know what the you overall mean, like, image, yeah, you know? Overall, yeah. No, and you know what? That's it, is that I'm glad that that is a thing. I'm yeah. glad that, like, it's, it's kind of a secret, especially for right, people yeah. our age. You know what I mean? Like, well, what we're doing. Lubbock's a great, it really is a great place to live. It's, you know, I'm from Dallas, and a lot of my friends and family are from Dallas, and they're like, why do you want to live in Lubbock? And I was like, well, why do you want to live in Dallas? <laughs> you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Metroplex. I grew up there, but I don't want to live there. Spending hours people. a day in traffic. Yeah, yeah, I did that. You know, white yeah. knuckling it every day. You know, it, it was, you know, it takes years off your life, you know, so. Um, the the left lane on the loop is always open. Fast lane, you know. I mean, <laughs> right, it's amazing, yeah. you know. So yeah, and six thirty five and thirty five is pretty much locked down. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, but you mentioned uh, y'all mentioned kind of the wider things going on, and I said before the show, like typical tech, that here we are possibly entering a golden era 
or in the middle of a golden era with, with Texas Tech sports and all the sports, but the major sports with what McGuire is doing, what the football team just did, and then obviously basketball, baseball, what they have rolling. And then World War III will happen, blow it all, not literally blow it all up, but, you know, change everything. You right, know? yeah. Uh, so, but no, in, in reality, I, Pete touched on it, but uh, I'm really excited about the possibility, the opportunity for Texas Tech basketball to complete this Big 12 Texas suite because yeah. it's never happened before. Now, they swept all three of the teams when they were in the SC, or SEC, the Southwest Conference. But in terms of in the Big 12, Tech has never swept Tech or Jesus, Texas, uh, TCU, and Baylor in the same year. That would be an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the yeah. other one would be Monday if they can finish 18-0 and 0 at home. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. It really is. I mean, that's the kind of season they're having in the first year under Mark Adams, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm getting questions and basically like on a message board and mailbag, you know, I do every week, is could this team beat the national runner-up team? Is this the best Texas Tech basketball team of all time? And, you know, at first you're like, come on. But then you look at this team, their top ten, what they've done, mm-hmm. you have to consider it. Right, yeah. You know, and yeah. honestly my answer was could they beat the, the national runner-up team in, in a one-game, one-game, one-off game? Absolutely they could. Right. Now, do I think they would? I don't know. You yeah. know, I yeah, mean, you guys start getting into the into the matchups, but they have that team beat on depth. Yeah, which is that's that's quite an accomplishment in itself. So just the fact that we're comparing this team to some of the all-time great teams mm-hmm. tells you where we're at with Texas Tech basketball. And then the job Mark Adams has done. Be sure when we talk to uh, Eric Hassel and Michael Hunter on the uh, Rockin' Twenty Five this week. Ask them, write, make a note to ask them about their thoughts on Mark Adams as coach of the year. Because, you know, last week they right. came up and we, we kind of let them slide last week, but they, they were talking about all the kids, like, you know, John Calipari. I mean, please, you know. <laughs> but, but I don't know how you can, can follow college basketball, you know, at the, at the level those guys do and not be aware of the job that Mark Adams has done and, and what he's accomplished. So I think you yeah. – Write a note down. You, you ask them. All right. All right. I will. Cool? And you know okay. what? It's just simple as this with what you're saying is that they were unranked in the preseason, which I thought yep. was ridiculous considering the talent that they amassed. But they were. They were unranked. And here they are, top ten. And if they went out, I think they're going to be a two seed. I really yeah. do. I don't yeah. know if they'll be higher, you know, higher rated than Baylor. They both might be two seeds. But uh, if Tech wins out, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear. they'll In the regular season, they'll yeah. be uh, – a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Well, with Baylor, Baylor still has to face Kansas, hosting Kansas this weekend. Yeah. So, you know, what if Baylor slips versus Kansas? Does Baylor play Texas? Two else do they play? Ba- uh, no, Kansas play. Kansas still has Texas and Baylor left to go on their schedule. Okay. So they, they still have two top 25 teams yet to, to battle. Mm-hmm. What, if, what if Tech ended up tying for the Big 12 title. So, if, if, I mean, it's unlikely if, that Kansas if, is going to lose both. If they lose two, because of the way the tiebreaker works, Texas Tech, they would they would share the championship, but Tech would be the number one seed in the Big 12 because of their... Tournament, yeah. uh, because of if they, if they go down to the next team that they played, and the next team they play would be in third place, which would be Baylor. Baylor, right. They Tech 2-0, two, 2-0, two oh, oh, and Baylor would split. split. Yep. All right. Well, um, let's see here. Coming up next here, we'll get into some recruiting football specifically and see what happened this week. And that is next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. 
sponsored by Meineke, Zonko, and Bud Light. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting update. Always look forward to the recruiting update. And, man, what Joyner has, has done, and not only just recruiting and all the activity of that, that we, we've talked about a lot every week on that, but just the, the culture building. You always hear coaches talking about building a culture, changing culture and all that. But, man, I tell you what he's doing and the way he has been at all the tech sporting events. I mean, you know, Lady Raiders games, yeah. basketball, I mean, just everything. And, and he's just be, become a part of tech so quickly that, I mean, he's like, I mean, it's amazing how he has integrated himself everything texas tech and you know you got the team you know the competition they're doing they you know that thing they're doing where they they divide them all into 10 teams and they all attend other sporting events they get they get uh points for that and so it's competition you know i know this morning man guys up early they're weightlifting you know like before most people even think about getting out of bed and 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 there's just a lot of things man yeah be a part of it but you know the football team being at the lady raiders game has made a big difference in fact, I saw after the Texas Tech-Texas game, Texas fans said, why don't we try to get the football team? I mean, they're just trying to copy Tech. They're right. trying to Isn't do anything yeah. they can to get fans. But I yeah. think what McGuire's done is just brought excitement across the board, which yeah. is just unbelievable. And, and how smart is that for him, too? Because you know the fans are going to be so ready for football yeah. season before they even played a game under yeah. McGuire. But the excitement and the goodwill that he's built up, People are just salivating, wanting to get there and support what what he's what he's building. So, with all that said, recruiting obviously is one of the key ingredients of all of the future and, and how it's ultimately uh, going to go down. So, uh, so Jarrett, what can you update us on this week? Yeah, and to speak on what you said, though, Joey McGuire told twenty four seven Sports Director of Recruiting recently, earlier this month, that uh, the reason why they're having so much success. Uh, the 2023 class is ranked sixth nationally and second in the Big 12 is because he loves recruiting and he has a great staff. And yeah. I, there's a lot of truth to that. And right now we're wrapping up a dead period. It'll end at the end of February. But uh, they're still working, man. And one of the main guys, and I don't know if he's talked about enough, is uh, Director of Player Personnel James Blanchard. He's really found a lot of players, like the out-of-state guys that they've found and targeted, basically boils down to him and a couple of the other staffers just breaking down film and then hitting the phones and hitting social media and and talking to coaches about their players and uh there's some there's a trio of -of out-of-state guys offered in the last week and one in-state guy i want to start with uh 2023 running back parker jenkins out of houston klein force 510 185 he has over 20 offers but tech got in on on that uh this week so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out now in March and April be big, well, and the summer, of course, be some big visitor weekends. We'll have some of these guys that I'll, I'll be mentioning like today will be coming to town and visiting Texas Tech. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But Parker Jenkins was a guy here recently, I think just uh, a couple of days ago, was offered by Texas Tech. And then another guy, this is the first out-of-state guy I want to mention, 2023 offensive lineman. He actually listed as an offensive lineman on his uh, player profile but he's a defensive lineman uh, in terms of where he plays for his high school. It's Tredarius Brown, 6'4", 280 out of Louisiana. Uh, so he's a guy to keep an eye on. Just first initial quick reaction from him is that he's really excited. Uh, it's his first offer. Yeah, to get a Power 5 offer is his first offer. He's really excited. And I, you know, I could see him playing either side of the ball. He's that kind of athlete. And then his teammate, uh, 2023 offensive lineman Tyler Johnson, 
again, also for Louisiana, 6'6", 255. Um, it's his first offer as well. Uh, he is an athlete. His feet, like I can't, like he should play basketball, seriously. Uh, it's 6'6", six, six, now 255 is light, obviously. He's going to have to bulk up, but uh, he can play tackle. He can, he's got the frame, um, and you watch his film, he can really move for a guy that size, and that's obviously why he picked up the offer from Texas Tech. Uh, and then finally, actually here, I don't know if it was, I think it was yesterday, a 2024 uh, edge rusher, which, of course, that's, we have new positions in terms of our recruiting profile. Now, we kind of broke it down to where it's more specific. Instead of just an outside linebacker or a defensive end, this is an edge rusher. It's a guy who's going to be rushing the passer, obviously. Uh, Sterling Dixon out of Mobile, Alabama, 6'3", 190. He needs to put some weight on, but uh, he already has 10 offers, offers from Florida State, Georgia, in addition to, to uh Tech, uh, you, you can see why. Just a freak, violent athlete coming off the edge. And uh, it's good that I wouldn't say Texas Tech's in early, but they're not in late, mm -hmm. you know. So if they can get him to visit, he's going to be somebody to watch. Sterling Dixon just offered yesterday. So those are some guys I wanted to mention that were recently offered to keep an eye on. All right. So you mentioned Tech is sixth nationally in, in, in recruiting. And what you know when it's all said and done for that 2023 mm -hmm. class? I mean, realistically, where do you think Tech ends up as of to, you know as of today? What you're seeing? Yeah, I'd be disappointed if they're not top 20. Wow, they have okay. more commits right now, 13, than anybody else in the country, and those recruiting rankings are weighed heavily towards yes, of course, how highly they're rated, but also how many commits you get. Uh, in that same interview with Steve Wolfong, who I mentioned, the director of recruiting for 24/7 Sports. Uh, Coach McGuire said the goal is to sign 25 high school kids this year. Think about that. Yeah. Well, that sounds like old school recruiting, right? right. You yeah, know? it sure does. Because yeah. uh, you think about them going to the transfer portal a lot. But they're very aggressive in terms of how they um, gray shirt and blue shirt and how in terms of uh, how they get guys on campus. They'll, they'll push guys to the next class or hold, them, or hold off their scholarship to where it doesn't count. I mean, until the next class but still get them on campus, So, which is what all the best teams are doing. You got you have to get creative. You only get 25 counters. So in case they do need some kind of uh, player from the from the portal, then that way they have, you know, a little wiggle room yeah. in order to get 25 high school guys. That's what I, That was my next question. You start sign that many guys, handing yeah. out that many scholarships, and then, yeah, how does that affect the, you know, transfer portal? When you look at a place, you got an area of need, you want to go grab a guy or something from the transfer portal. I mean, it cuts down on, I guess, what you maybe have available. Yeah. But do they, I, I don't know, what, what's your take so far on what their, their plan is? I mean, it looks like they really want to build a base of great high school talent yes. instead of taking a ton of transfers and Transfers stuff, you know? uh, are the quick fix still. Yeah. It's different. It's not like quite as bad as it was before. I mean, yeah. obviously, Tech's brought in some really good transfer players yeah. um and to defend what coach wells and his staff did they needed to they were in, the roster was in so much trouble yeah. that he inherited which is well well documented right right <clears throat> they had to do some things in order just to survive and uh you know the transfer portal happened at a really good time for them and some of the transfer rules were loosened that really helped mm -hmm. but you Which still, is probably what helped him get bowl eligible. Absolutely. Ultimately, I mean, yeah, those I mean, transfer guys. Yeah, Wells yeah. and his staff built that roster, yeah. you know. Um, so I credit goes to them for that. But uh, on the other hand, you still want you still want to build with high school talent and develop it yourself. I mean, you do. You, you want to get the guys that fit your system, the guys you like, yeah. uh, and develop them within your within your system so you know 
you know what you're getting you know you're, you're getting the right fit and all that it's so that ultimately you can win big that's how you win championships and it's like taking a long view of it too it and especially when you're a brand new coach you, you probably have you, know, you get the luxury yep. of being able to do that whereas wells was to a point of the desperation of they had to win I mean, yep. and as it turned out i mean it didn't work out for him anyway but it was his back was against the wall and he was really forced to have to go there and uh, ideally, though, yeah, building a, a base of guys that, like you said, fit the system, that's probably what everybody hopes for, yeah. And here are some things I just wanted to mention, since it is a dead period and everything, and it's not as as fast, things aren't happening as fast as, as they do, as they're going to here coming up very soon. A March is just going to be crazy all the way around for Texas Tech in general sports, including football recruiting. But uh, one thing that really stands out is, all the commits are from Texas for the 2023 class right now. All 13 commits, mostly from West Texas and DFW, DFW area. Now you have a couple guys, one from College Station, and then one from Humboldt. But for the most part, it's from the it's from West Texas. They're keeping yeah. talent here in West Texas, uh, which is up. Talent in West Texas is up big yeah. time. We yeah. talked about that, um, but also obviously DFW because Coach McGuire at Cedar Hill there, uh, great connections. Uh, wow. Pete really is drinking blue cheese. Like, <laughs> literally is drinking blue cheese. I'm sorry, I kind of broke my concentration. Let me let me, let me try that, Pete, it's because because here don't in Buffalo do it, Wild Wings, don't do it. Wait, I, I got the I, I called it the Pete Special. It's not really what they call it here at Buffalo Wild Wings. But what do you got here? Three they chicken should. tenders. Yeah, with we've got the buffalo, buffalo sauce, sauce and, and the blue cheese. and a gallon of blue it's cheese. It's the chaser. That's good, dude. Woo. I mean, so I like good. blue cheese, but blue I've never, I never, I never drank it before. Pete, I, I'm so actually thank you. blown away by what Jared got. This double cheeseburger it looks, it looks phenomenal. Amazing. I just phenomenal. Like I was blown away. Yeah. Anyway, we digress, but it's yeah, we're going to be eating here in a minute. But uh, continue. We had to have that blue cheese yeah. break. No, man, I just kind of blew my mind. He's really, really doing it. That's not just talk. Uh, so yeah, another thing is uh, defensive back is. They're recruiting defensive back at a, at a rate that I haven't seen in a long time. You know, Brendan Jordan recently commits a four-star out of Mansfield. I mean, he, he picked Tech over some other, uh, you know, pretty big Power 5 programs. Uh, Calvin Simpson Hunt from Waxahachie is another four-star. Uh, he's a DB. He's a, he's a cornerback. He, I had to create his profile. So that's how early they were on him. Now he's got offers from, I mean, it's going to be Bama. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to be UT and OU. All that's after him because he's that good. But. He's told me the loyalty that, and the, the loyalty the coaching staff showed him, and that you know, they sought him out, they found him first, they offered him first, and then just the relationship him and his mom has built with the coaching mm-hmm. staff. Right now, that's why he's still 100% committed. But I mean, they're going to have to recruit him all the way up until he gets on campus, not just yeah. when he signs his letter of intent. But until you get him in campus and enrolled, uh, I mean, it's going to be tough to keep him uh, committed. But uh, you know, Jamari Davis is another guy. He's a four-star on both rivals and, uh, some, well, on rivals and some other recruiting uh, sites. Right now, 24-7 Sports doesn't have him rated, but I, I, I really like him. Uh, Chapman Lewis out of uh, Burleth, the Burleson area, <clears throat> 6'1", 170. He's another guy. He's going to be a high three-star guy. I mean, all these guys could be multi-year starters for you. They're Like, you watch their tape. They play against high-level competition they have the frame. There's not there's not a reach among them. You look at them, and you're like, okay, I you know I see why why they offer them. And the fact that they got them committed, that uh, Coach McGuire and his staff can close once they get them on campus is just out of sight. I mean, he deserves all the coffee he's drinking. If coffee's for closers. 
get that man a lot of coffee because he's closing. <laughs> and then like a guy like Anquan Willis out of Wichita Falls Rider, he is a like borderline like all state running back who also plays linebacker, and that's where he's probably going to play for Tech. But he can play, end up being a defensive end type or a, like a stand up outside rusher. Uh, he can be a, he can play running back, line multiple linebacker positions. I, I'm a huge fan of him. I can't believe Tech got him as well. And then they've already got their quarterback commit for the class too, which is so important because that's the figurehead. That really tells other recruits that these guys, uh, you know, they have it going. You yeah. know, they, they have a plan, they have their guys, and then th- those quarterbacks are some of your, your best recruiters along with your assistant coaches. And that's Jake Strong out of Justin Northwest. He's listed on some sites as a uh, pro-style passer, but I don't really get that. The guy ran for almost 1,000 yards last year. <clears throat> My only knock on him is his accuracy is like under 60% in, in high school. And that some of that is that he makes a lot of difficult throws. You watch his tape. I mean, there's not a throw this guy can't make. He's not scared to throw it. Like when guys are, it's almost, you don't see this in high school a lot. Normally it's one or two reads and a guy's wide open, you know, and you, and you throw it to him. He throws guys open. So I, I like what I see from him. Uh, he's a three-star guy. He's a high three-star guy. I think there's a chance if he has a really good senior year, he could get bumped up to a low four-star. So nice. all those things are just very healthy in terms of recruiting. I think recruiting is the most honest look at any athletic program, no matter the sport. And this tells me that, Texas Tech football is on a very healthy path. Yeah, yeah. And this is just, they're just getting started, too. Yes. And I think that's what's so promising about it, too, is they're just, you know, they're right here at the very beginning. They're already able to do, you know, this level of recruiting once yeah. they really get it going and have a track record to build New on. New facilities and, that are yeah. being built, I mean, too. There's so you know? many things, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, some great uh, recruiting stuff there from Jarrett. Yes, Pete. Can I just add one thing since we're talking football? Yeah. Uh, I was really excited about something that happened yesterday. It's not really what I did, but putting these two guys together. Uh, my favorite player on the team last year was Colin Schooler. Yeah. Awesome dude. And uh, many times uh, people said, man, you play like Zach Thomas. And in the press conference, maybe week three or four, he said, yeah, I hear that a lot. And they said, hey, have you ever talked to Zach? No, I've never met him or talked to him. So I put that in my skull, and I said, man, I'm going to try to put those two together. So yesterday, Zach Thomas called me, uh, said he would call Colin Schooler, and they talked for about an hour yesterday. And wow. I, and he gave me advice on the NFL and stuff, and I just thought that was so awesome. Yeah. You so know, yeah. Red Raider for life. That's awesome. And you know the thing about those two, the comparisons, is like, the, honestly, it's because they're white linebackers. Yeah. That's, that's it. But what I see in them is the cerebral look, the way they approach the game. Yeah. You think about some of the smart plays like that, that hit on uh, on Brewer against Baylor. Oh, I mean, yeah. the way he set that up, you know how smart it was when he explained it, the push. Yeah, and then when we had Zach Thomas on five years ago and just his breakdown, the way he approached uh, the game, the cerebral yeah. way he approached the game, because you think about him being a physical meathead. He self-described <laughs> himself as a meathead. You know? yeah. But, no, it, a lot goes into it, yeah. his approach yeah. for that success to happen on game yeah. day. Yeah. All right. Well, um, coming up here, we'll unveil this week's Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, and, uh, including uh, we're going to be sure we ask about their take on Mark Adams as a Coach of the Year candidate, because <laughs> I think most people around here would uh, totally be in the camp of thinking that he should be and that he is. Um, and then in the meantime, though, it's uh, we're, we're eating here at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're at the uh, West 82nd and Marsha Sharp location today. Uh, I invite you to come out, get out of the cold, come by and eat lunch here today. 
And we're, let's see, so, Jerry, you've got the double cheeseburger over there, so that looks pretty good. I know you're already starting to eat. I'm just sorry. just took off my you? headset, so yeah, I'm no, going to eat. Come on, man. No, go I did ahead. my recruiting segment. Yeah, go ahead. Y'all were no, you earned while it. I was talking. You, yeah, I'm getting after it You now. earned it. Go for it. It, it. it. It smells delicious. Double cheeseburger. And then uh, and Sean's got some wings over there, your usual there. Salt right? and pepper and, and the... Okay. Uh, they look delicious. It's and a lot then, of lemon pepper. And then, Pete, you, you yeah. always, I notice every week you, you get those three chicken tenders with I should have got five, but... I really like the blue cheese. I'm going to have to get an extra side of blue cheese. The blue cheese is really frothy. It's good. Uh, it doesn't have the lumps of the blue cheese, you know, in it. It's just dressing. And yeah. It's so good. It really is good. And, it's and good today, to drink. I just, yeah, I know she did that, and I tried a little bit, but I couldn't put it down like you could. Yeah, I, I just maybe that's not my thing. It, I it like blue adds, cheese, okay, but, but combine it with the buffalo sauce. It's just a party in your mouth. It is, and and that's what I. So I went and, and I told him, I said, hey, I want the I want the Pete special as yeah. well. And uh, they don't really call it that officially, but you know, it's. I think we're gonna we're gonna do that enough to where maybe we can change oh, yeah. the name of that for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you're you're huge in this town. Oh, you know, stop. I mean, come on, that's anyway. It, it really is good. I never had the chicken tenders here at Buffalo Wild. Yeah, they're good. solid. They're, they're awesome, really man. Yeah. So oh, man. anyway, early reviews on the double cheeseburger. Man, I've never had a cheeseburger at Buffalo Wild Wings because you come here, you come wings, wings, right? right? Yeah. We're here every week, so I thought I felt like a cheeseburger. Delicious. Looks pretty good. All right. Delicious. Well, there you go. Hopefully, we're making you hungry. So uh, we'll we'll see you we'll see you here soon. All right. To the uh, Rockin' Twenty Five College Basketball Poll. That is coming up next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock One Hundred One Lunch from Buffalo Wild Wings during the show. Sometimes it's so good that you, you find yourself, you kind of get lost in it, and uh, then, you know, things happen. Maybe it's the blue cheese. It may be the blue cheese. You're going to be cut off. I know, drinking the blue cheese. I'm trying to be like Pete. I, I just you tell I me blue cheese and bacon, I'm there. I'll do anything. Whoa, I'll do anything whoa, for blue whoa, cheese whoa, and bacon. Whoa. I've said it. It's take, done. Take it easy. I All will. Right. I will. <laughs> Down, boy. All right. Uh, let's get to the... Uh, Rockin' 25 College Basketball poll, now that we've yes. got this. Get serious here. Okay. All right. College basketball is going insane, you may have noticed. And we have our rocketologist from the Rockin' 25 College Basketball poll. We're joined by Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Eric, uh, are the top eight teams locked in right now, or will this last couple of conference games uh, shake things up? No, I don't think the top eight teams are locked in right now because if you look at the bracket matrix right now, you still have Texas Tech technically on the outside looking in at a two seed. And if that changes and they get on that two line, you have teams like Baylor or Duke or maybe even a Purdue that are very even in stature with Texas Tech. And, and you know, I think the last few games of the regular season have the potential to play a big role in how things shake out. When it comes to teams that have the potential to be on that one line or two line. I think, as I said, there's Texas Tech. After that, I don't know. I think, you know, Providence has a fantastic resume, but frankly has big issues with their predictive metrics that'll play a big significant part in the committee's decisions. You have to ask the question, can Illinois or Wisconsin make the jump to the two line? In my opinion, actually, I think after Texas Tech, I think Villanova has a fair chance to get there, but they feel like a, like a three to me, in my opinion. So at this point, got feeling... It feels like nine, maybe ten teams are solidly in the running for the top eight spots. And as for the ones, it still feels like the four teams that appeared in the top 16 reveal. That was Gonzaga, 
Arizona, Kansas, and Auburn. Maybe Kentucky finds a way in there, but I still think those four spots belong to those four teams. Yeah, never discount conference tournament time either. You know, Baylor goes through and wins the Big 12 tournament. Obviously, that gets them up to the one line. And then Illinois, if they were able to win the Big Ten tournament, that would probably jump them at least to the two line and maybe in a conversation for the last number one. And I wonder if it would jump them to the one line, Baylor, because I've, I've got it on good authority that a lot of the one seeds and two seeds are really kind of set midweek. So I don't know if those conference championship games are really going to make a difference. If Baylor's there, I don't know. What they do is they scrub the lines. So if they're close and they look at a head-to-head matchup, kind of what you saw in the top 16 reveal where you had Wisconsin right above Illinois and they scrubbed it and put Illinois ahead based on the head-to-head. I don't know if they'll do that for a championship game that late in championship week. It would also depend on the path, right? If Baylor was to run through and beat teams like Texas Tech and Kansas on the way to a Big 12 title, then you've got to put them on the one Yeah, they might scrub them up. All right, let's release the Rockin' 25 with Gonzaga on top with 12 out of the 14 first-place votes. Arizona up one to second with a first-place vote. Kentucky up two with a first-place vote to third. Purdue and Auburn round out the top five. Michael, after watching so many games this year, who are the teams that could give Gonzaga trouble in the tournament if the tournament started today? The first team I think that comes to mind is the Purdue Boilermakers for me. You know, they've got the size, the physicality, and the paint with Zach Eady and Trevion Williams to really compete with that Gonzaga front court of Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy. You know, they then have the three-point shooting in, in Thompson and Stefanovic, as well as, you know, star power in, in Jaden Ivey, who, to me, is the National Player of the Year. Some people will say Oscar Shibway. I think you, you really can't go wrong with either one. But for me, Purdue versus Gonzaga is sort of a dream matchup. Ivy being a superstar on both ends of the floor, I think, kind of tips the scales. I would probably lean Purdue in that matchup. I think Kentucky could certainly give them a run if they're healthy, which seems like a long shot lately as Ty Ty Washington kind of seemingly gets nicked up every single game lately. Severe Wheeler also missed four games since the new year. So I think Kentucky, if they're healthy, I think they match up well against Gonzaga. And the other team for me is kind of a selfish pleasure would be Illinois, which, you know, in that I want to see, you know, Kofi, that's not how you spell Coburn, take on the front court with Illinois uh, against, you know, Timmy and, and Chad Holmgren. I think that in order for Illinois to have a legitimate chance in that matchup, Andre Corbello really has to get it figured out because he's been brutally bad since returning at the beginning of February. He's seemingly kind of playing by himself out there. He's not really initiating the offense. I think that he needs to kind of play within the offense and and become that player that we saw show so much potential last year. I think Illinois is, if we're talking stocks, I think Illinois is really undervalued heading into the tournament this year. So they would be a team that I would keep an eye on as well. I agree with him on the Purdue notion, though. I think that's a team that can build a big lead if Gonzaga is not hitting their shots. And Purdue is. I think that's a, that's a situation very similar to Baylor last year where you could see a Purdue team building a good 15-point lead. And then with that size inside, it's hard to go down to Timmy. It's hard to go inside to a guy like Chet Holmgren. And, and that's probably the situation you're looking for, the perfect storm for a team that can beat Gonzaga. I think probably if you're looking for that fingerprint, Purdue has it. 
It's the top 25 teams as ranked by our Rocketologists of the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll. 6 through 10 has Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor holding down 6, 7, and 8. Duke stands pat at 9. Villanova falls 2 to 10. Eric, you've been keeping an eye on conference rankings all year long with the dominance of the Big 12 in the net and three teams in the top seven. How many of the Big 12 teams will make the second weekend, assuming no giant upsets? It's really hard to make the prediction because it's so dependent on the matchups. That's the first thing. But if you do take the Big 12 teams that are likely to make the NCAA tournament, and I count six right now. It was more at one point. Oklahoma, who's been there much of the way, is out now because of their recent follies. They're 3-12 and 12 over their last 15. They're now a 500 team. But if you look at the six teams that I count, on paper, three of those should probably hold serve through the first two rounds. Obviously, those three teams are Kansas, Baylor, and Texas Tech. Texas will be borderline because they they appear headed for that you know potential four or five matchup in the second round. That contest in the second round can really go either way. Iowa State, Texas Christian, they look like they'll be there, but even if they're a higher seed in round one, they're they set themselves up. They're likely looking at a at facing a one or a two seed in round two. So you know, I'd say three, maybe four make the Sweet 16, barring, as you said, the huge upset in the first couple rounds. Yeah, I'm looking at Haslametrics right now, and one of the more interesting things to me is the last number three is Providence and the first number six is Texas. So if that scenario somehow works out perfectly, I have no, no bones, no qualms about picking Texas over that Providence team, and I would say probably four make it to the second weekend. All right, it is the Rockin' 25 College Basketball Poll with Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. The middle five of the Rockin' 25 has Wisconsin still holding steady at 11, UCLA up to 1 to number 12, Illinois, Tennessee, and Providence uh, occupy 13 through 15. So, Michael, which teams do you feel have a foundation for a run, maybe not this year, but next year perhaps? <laughs> that is that's such a difficult question uh, given the number of, of transfers that continue to rise almost as exponentially as the number of kids who are 110% committed on Twitter. But I have learned to, to really never doubt Baylor and Scott Drew. You know, I don't care who he's losing. Um, they're going to be good. Um, that's something that it took me a long time to come to grips with. But Baylor's going to be good regardless. And until he proves otherwise, I'm just going to have to believe that. I assume he's going to get LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, Kendall Brown and Sochon back next year. He's going to backfill the loss of James Akinjo and Matthew Mayer with, you know, a top five recruit in the nation. So, you know, that's good enough for Coach Drew to win 25 games right there. The other that jumps out to me is Arizona, who this season is 355th in the nation in experience. That roster is made up almost exclusively of freshmen and sophomores. When they destroyed Oregon State on February 17th, nine freshmen saw the court for the Wildcats. And last, but certainly not least, unfortunately, I guess I got to go with Duke. You know, three of the top five players in the nation coming into that program for next year, four of the top 15 in the nation. I assume Wendell Moore is going to be back along with Mark Williams, Jeremy Roach, and possibly A.J. Griffin. This team's going to be really talented and really, really deep next year. So look for Duke to once again contend for the Final Four in 2023. Uh, Chamo Chachwa for Baylor is out for the year with a knee injury. He's a redshirt yeah. junior. I think yeah. he's got another year, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Rockin' 25. Oh, it's 16 through 20 of the college ba basketball poll. 
has Arkansas up 3-16, to 16, Houston 17, UConn up 4-18, to 18, Ohio State down 2-19, to 19, and Texas is not back at 20. Eric, as the season comes to an end, which team has had all of the analytics experts scratching their heads at when they review their output? Well, the obvious one, and we've talked about them before, is Providence, who just continues to defy the numbers and win by meager margins regardless of the quality of the opponents. And, and get this, the Friars are 23-3, and and they're ranked 52nd in my performance rankings. And performance rankings are predictive. They make projections for outcomes within regulation 40-minute time. And by that rationale, our rankings had Providence favored by a couple points over Xavier the other night. Providence actually missed that projection because the game went to overtime. And then in overtime, naturally, Providence found a way to win, as they always do. I can't remember such a prominent team that had such a difference between their performance ranking, which I said was 52nd, and their record quality metric, which I gauge over at Haslametrics.com, where they are number three in the country. And for that reason, everybody and their cousin is going to probably target the Friars as first-round victims in the NCAA tournament. But until that point comes, you know, good on them. They keep finding ways to win, and it will likely result in a fairly high seed for the Friars. I'm thinking probably the three seed is their ceiling. I'll throw another team out there, and that's going to be Michigan State. This is a team really struggled last year, snuck in the NCAA tournament after some late big wins over quality opponents, but ultimately flamed out in the play-in game against UCLA. They finished number 62 at my website last year after finishing top 10 in each of the three years before that. This year, there's been lots of turnover on the roster. There's no Rocket Watts, no Aaron Henry, no Josh Langford. Max Christie comes in, Tyson Walker transfers over, A.J. Holgaard steps up into a big role. And it looks like there for a while that all has worked out for the better. Spartans were 17-4 and four less than three weeks ago. They were in my top 20. But since then, for whatever reason, it's the 2020-21 season all over again. Michigan State has lost five of six. All five losses missed the analytical expectation. And they're sliding down the seed lines again. We're probably looking at a seven, maybe an eight range of a seed, looking very similar to the team that limped through most of last season. So, I mean, in my opinion, there's still time for them to turn it around. They've, they finish up hosting Purdue at Michigan, at OSU, then Maryland before the Big Ten tournament. So the quality wins are still there to be had, but there's no doubt they're really struggling right now. Final five of the Rockin' 25 has the Murray State Racers at number 21, USC 22, Iowa up 9 to 23, St. Mary's up 4 to 24, Alabama's 25th. Michael, is there a team from the back half of the 25 or perhaps not in the top 25 that people are completely missing on? Who's the Cinderella everybody's waiting for? What do you look for when you're looking for Cinderella? For me, the first thing that you look for is three-point shooting. And to that, I say hello to the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State who lead the nation in effective field goal percentage at 60.2% by way of leading the nation in three-point shooting percentage at 45.2% as a team. There are only 50 players in the nation shooting 44% or better with a minimum of 75 attempts. The Jackrabbits are shooting that as a team on 624 attempts. Simply incredible. If they get hot as a 13, 14, 15 seed, I mean, look out. Anybody else in the nation. Um, The other team you need to be aware of is Wyoming, which has been getting love in our poll for for some time now, and I believe they're currently ranked in the the national poll as well. 
the Cowboys are interesting because when Justin James was in town, he was awesome, but the team was awful. Last season, they had Marcus Williams. He was awesome, and then he transferred, and sometimes the grass isn't always greener. However, they have two guys that can really play in Graham Ike, Hunter Maldonado, both average 19 points a game. Maldonado is a super senior who can't really shoot, but doesn't let that get in the way of him trying all game. While Ike is a, kind of a classic power forward, averages nearly a double-double at 21 and roughly nine and a half rips per game. Jeff Linder really looking like an up-and-comer coach at 44 years old after having success at Northern Colorado. I think this is an up-and-coming team. I think this is a team that's primed for an upset given the right circumstances in the NCAA tournament. Look out for South Dakota State. Look out for Wyoming come tournament time. All right, so Eric, you've been banging the St. Mary's drum all year, but teams like North Texas and South Dakota State are getting love from Rockin' 25 voters. What makes these two smaller teams potential matchup nightmares for the NCAA tournament? Well, you mentioned St. Mary's, who has really exceeded expectations this year. They are that classic system team that believes that some of their parts is greater than the other team's individualistic talents. Think Virginia from the last few years. Now, I'm not saying they're anywhere near the talent that those Virginia teams did had, but, but you get the idea. But looking at the teams you mentioned, first of all, North Texas. This is a top 50 team at Haslametrics.com. Similar to St. Mary's, they're top 25 in defensive efficiency. You talk about slowing a game down. I have the mean green. Dead last, 358th in game pace. Anyone who knows college hoops knows that usually that's usually a spot reserved for Virginia year in and year out. Again, much like St. Mary's, nothing that is statistically going to jump off the page at you on the offensive end, but they, they win as a team, 12 straight wins from early January until late February. They're already a 20-win team. They were competitive with the likes of Miami. Kansas did handle them back in November, but it wasn't exactly a blowout. I think it was a 12-point win there. So, I mean, I think North Texas is much like St. Mary's. Their defense could create problems for a power conference team in March, but keep an eye on them. And then South Dakota State, Michael touched on them a little bit earlier. That's another team that rolled right through the months of January and February. They're already a 25-win team. A fantastic shooting team, as Michael said. At my site, they're number one in adjusted three-point percentage. That's adjusted for the average D1 opponent where they shoot 42.5% against that average opponent. They're number four in adjusted field goal percentage, 16th in offensive efficiency. You look at the individual parts there, you got Baylor Shireman as the offensive assassin. He shoots almost 47% from distance, adds eight rebounds per game. Throw in Douglas Wilson to boot, 6'7 senior, averages 15.5 and 5. Noah Friedel, he's a big question mark. He's a very competent scorer who averaged double digits in his first 11 games. I think he led the team in scoring. But then he stepped away for, I'll, I'll say, unknown reasons. There's speculation there was a mental health issue there. I don't know the details for sure, but he stepped away for a, an entire two months. He recently returned, but he is just not seeing... The, the same court time he once was at one point for whatever reason, and it does not look like that will change from what I've gathered. It will be interesting to watch that situation going forward. But still, great options offensively for the Jackrabbits. Great shooters, but their big Achilles heel, unfortunately, defense. Jackrabbits are 149th in defensive efficiency. As you know, in the NCAA tournament, there are going to be nights where the shots just are not falling, and you need to rely on your defense to win games. Very questionable that the Jackrabbits are able to do that. Typically, teams like that don't last very long once the tournament gets underway. Yeah, this North Texas team, I agree. I, you know, I should have included them 
uh, in that earlier conversation about uh, Cinderella's, but this is a top 20 defensive team, a top 10 defensive team against uh, the three-point shot. They, as Eric said, they slow it way down and they shoot the ball well. This is a team that has taken on that Virginia-type style of play and made it work in their favor. If you are effective and efficient on the offensive end and the defensive end, you can slow the game way down and win those games Low scoring, basically, and that's what they've kind of embraced. I think North Texas is a team to watch out for as well. If I look at those three teams we talked about here, I would almost say North Texas is probably a bigger threat to go a longer distance, in my opinion, just because they do defense. They, they do really slow things down as much as they do. St. Mary's deals with defense, but a lot of people know what you're getting out of St. Mary's. And then I think South Dakota State, you know, i just seen this too many times where these great offensive teams get stuck in there with a team like Arkansas. Yep. Or Alabama and the talent level just is is too much for them and once they start falling behind they you know the defense is just not there to get them back in the game even though the offense might pick up they just don't have it in my opinion I think South Dakota State's probably gonna be a one and done well it's the Rockin 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologist Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter last week Michael brought up names for player of the year and coach of the year and it left us wondering, why doesn't Mark Adams get respect from the national media on what he has done with Texas Tech, with just five returners from the, the previous year, and not even in the Rockin' 25 to begin the year, to a team number seven in the rankings this year? Well, I mean, as you guys love to do, you can go ahead and blame that on the current Texas coach as well. Because like it or not, you know, there are expectations for Texas Tech as a basketball program at this point in time. So... You know, for this season, unfortunately, the rhetoric is going to be, well, Mark Adams is playing with Chris Beard's players, and that's why he's winning. Whether or not that's true or not, some of us realize that, some of us don't. Granted, it's not really the way that basketball works. I think people who know Rat Crap from Rice Krispies understand, but I think casual fans do not. I think, you know, next season, if the Red Raiders are able to sustain the success you're going to see Mark Adams start to get his due as well as maybe some retroactive love, especially if Texas continues to struggle because the narrative is quickly going to change to be, well, maybe Beard's success was largely tied to Coach Adams' coaching chops, whether it be on the defensive end or just overall. So I, I think right now, you know, so much of Texas Tech's recent success has been attributed to Chris Beard that – you know, a lot of people outside of the Texas Tech program uh, or, or the fans of that, that particular program aren't privy to what Mark Adams is as far as a basketball coach. I think all of that credit has gone to Chris Beard. Now Mark Adams is in that position. We still attribute that credit to Chris Beard because he may largely be in part or, or responsible for building that roster, that program, to what it is. Now... The further we go down the line and Texas struggles as Chris Beard leads that program and, and Mark Adams leads Texas Tech and they're, they're more successful, people are going to start to swing that is to Chris Beard's success is largely in part to Mark Adams' wisdom, Mark Adams' knowledge, Mark Adams' coaching ability. So I, I think that don't take it as a shot to Mark Adams this year, but if they continue to go down this road, Mark Adams is going to start to receive a lot of love in years two, three, and four. I just want to know if that's Mark Adams' real hair. <laughs> Man, that guy is on Guess Who? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, good answer. Glad you clarified your thoughts on Mark Adams' as Coach of the Year. Where can uh, everybody find your work? You can find me on Instagram at Mike Hunter, M-Y-C-H-A-L, Hunter. 
Um, I have a link tree on my bio. I will post all my uh, wagering previews as far as uh, independent uh, opinion pieces on that from now on. And as always, people can find me, my ratings, my rankings, my projections, my bracketology over at Haslametrics.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter going hashtag analytically final at at Haslametrics. Well, our thanks to the Rockin' 25 voters, Eric Haslam, Michael Hunter, for breaking down the analytics and the teams. Next time we talk conference tournaments, we'll be beginning uh, for the smaller conferences. And the Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, always available at 101thebeard.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Later, guys. Later, guys. All right, there you go. There's basketball for, uh, for now. And now we're going to shift gears to Red Raider baseball. And uh, joining us next, our friend uh, Keith Patrick from uh, Red Raider Dugout dropping by and ready to talk some Red Raider baseball here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd Marsha Sharp Freeway on Rock 101.1. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Mitch Hall Chevrolet, Chrome, and Hook and Reel. Rockin' Research. All right, time to shift gears to Red Raider Baseball. Red Raider Baseball at home. All right, so, uh, yeah, Texas Tech in town this weekend and uh, catch some baseball and some, you know, not exactly baseball-type weather. Uh, I think even tomorrow it's only supposed to be like 41 or something. The game today got canceled, right, Pete? Postponed, yeah. So okay. tomorrow they play at 2, and then we got a doubleheader Sunday. Uh, you might want to get that early service at church because it starts <laughs> at noon uh, with Kent State. So I'll make up a, a doubleheader. So they still get the three games in, hopefully. All right. We're joined here on the Rockin' Pregame by our friend Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout and uh, talking uh, – week one and and uh, just the outlook for the season for the red raiders and uh, first of all let's start with i guess this weekend's homestand uh kent state in town and uh break down kent state for us uh some detailed uh, <laughs> <laughs> detailed analysis no just some action coming yeah, yeah. to the coming to dan law field hey you know you see a team like kent state coming thanks for having me guys yeah. um you look at them and you think, ah, small school, it's just a tune-up kind of thing. What we saw in the first weekend of, of baseball across the country was lots of small schools beating lots of big-name programs. Mm -hmm. And so it's not anything you can ever take lightly at your own house or otherwise. And they're not going home until Monday, so you should get all the games in, hopefully, and kind of an easy decision to not play sub-40s baseball on, on Friday. But they're a team with a lot of dudes back. They were 30-26 and 26 last year uh, in the MAC, and they played multiple you know, large schools, ACC. They played Virginia Tech, West Virginia. Uh, they dropped their first series this year to, to Charleston or to a – I think it was called to Charles, or excuse me, Coastal Carolina. Okay. Uh, they lost, dropped two games out of that one, but a great baseball program won the College World Series a few years ago, famously. And so, uh, never to be taken lightly, any school in college baseball, because many can be very competitive at any level. One of those that pops into my head is the Campbell Camels, you know, that made big runs a couple years ago. And you can pour resources in at a small school level, Dallas Baptist another. Yeah. Um, and and Kent State could walk in the door with, and they have a ton of, uh, that's, that's probably the number one takeaway for them, a ton of guys back, um, which, you know, welcome to the COVID era. And they don't need huh. a bunch of transfers coming in where they just have all these guys. And so you're going to face a, a veteran team that's coming out here. And, I mean, it's a big opportunity for them. Texas Tech's a big name, mm -hmm. and it's a chance to get uh, some W's on the road. So Tech's going to have to have their stuff together. 
So uh, we'll, you're going to stick, stick around for a couple of segments here for baseball. But uh, uh, So we'll, we'll be talking about kind of the performance in that opening series down at the State Farm Classic last weekend. But uh, just, you know, specific, you know, just what you're seeing from this team this year and the, uh, the outlook for the season and, you know, returning players and stuff. I mean, you know, you get to where you, you get used to sure. Texas Tech is going to be in the mix every year now, it seems like, under Tim Tadlock. But uh, what, do you, what do you look for this year? You know, I was surprised. I was listening to the D1 baseball guys talk about this team so far. Kendall Rogers was at in Arlington, and um, he said that he was at a six and a half on pushing the panic button on this team, and I think that's oh, wow. that's nuts after one weekend of yeah. baseball. I mean, um, Texas Tech. I was obvious in in Arlington, and we I know we'll talk more about it. You know, the the arms are a little ahead of the bats, and the arms weren't quite ready yet. You know, but you know, welcome to the beginning of the season, and you're not opening up here against Maine, and so. I, I'm confident in this team. I think that you have a lot of guys that are going to be able to put some things together and some trends that won't continue, but I'm very excited about them. I walked out of the scrimmages multiple times in the fall and spring looking at, you know, George Watson and Mike Gustafson and other guys that, that you know, really pay attention and said, hey, I feel pretty good. I mean, we've got some dudes on this team. There's some guys that are ready to step into new roles and do some big things, and there's a lot of, like you said, newcomers uh, that are doing great stuff. Hudson White uh, behind the dish has done all of your work so far, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Get him some experience, protect Stillwell's health a little bit too, as he's your number two catcher. Uh, Owen Washburn obviously had a huge weekend. He reached seven on on seven of his first ten abs as a Red Raider, and so of course the broadcast said 800 times his dad was a 14-year big leaguer, but <laughs> he's out there making noise and and doing really well so far this season, and. I think that he's going to be exciting to watch grow up a little bit. And I think it's fun to see Kurt Wilson out there at shortstop. He was your opening day shortstop last year as a surprise. Wasn't a surprise this year. Um, he's still coming on a little bit, I think. It's, and that's the thing. You look at early season baseball. Is Kurt Wilson going to keep hitting 200? Probably not. Is Hudson White going to continue not having a hit, which he's still seeking his first collegiate hit? No, he's going to get there. You know, it just takes a little bit of time for these guys to get rolling. Um, weather comes into a factor as well. I mean, I guarantee you if they're not playing, they're not out there practicing today either. You know, they're finding somewhere to go hit and do something, but there's just a lot of work yet to come for these guys. And I think your transfers have been exciting too. Uh, Ty Coleman has played at DH pretty exclusively and he came on after Arlington had a really good game against Dallas Baptist he's now tied at the top of the team in RBIs with Kurt Wilson and then Cooper Swanson and Dalton Porter have had some solid spots and both had some time playing so far those are your big school transfers that's why I mentioned them but just lots of pieces to see how it all comes together but so far there's been plenty of bright spots even if you know you started one and two, oh my gosh, push the panic button. You were zero and three in Arlington last year, and you were a super regional team. Yeah. So it's it's okay. It's going to be all right. Well, it's always baseball. It's always interesting. The so many newcomers every year, you know, and a lot of guys get drafted, you know, and so you're just so it always takes that that first month. I'm always sitting there trying to figure out who everybody mm -hmm. is, you know, all these new guys and everything. But it's always interesting to me to watch. Uh, Coach Tadlock, the way he, you know, these early games, I mean, he's always tinkering with mm -hmm. things, you know, and looking at and watching guys and, you know, like the pitching staff. I mean, it's just like he, I just love to see how he, he tries a bunch of different things, you know, mm -hmm. and then finally gets to a point where it settles in, maybe by a conference player or something, I right. don't know. But he, he really, I just love how he evaluates different lineups and different players and some positions and the pitching staff and all. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite things to watch. They're, they're moving the chess pieces, trying to figure yeah. out who wants to be where and how. Like Dylan Carter leading off on Tuesday against Dallas Baptist. Carter had been pretty quiet at the plate. 
had a good game that day against Dallas Baptist in the leadoff spot. Some of it's mental. Um, and you've, of course, seen big changes before. Josh Young going to shortstop was a big change when that happened. Uh, guys moving into the starting rotation or coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Matt Gardner said it at the first pitch lunch, and, hey, we're not afraid to experiment, figure these things out with these guys early, and you're exactly right. It's fun to watch. At this point, I think in Tadlock we trust, you know, and yeah. <laughs> letting that stuff happen and, and seeing how it plays out. But, yeah, there's a lot of baseball left to be played. So, you know, tap the brakes on on freaking out, not that you guys are, but, you know, national media and things like that. Just because they hadn't heard all these names before doesn't mean they're not going to be elite players. Yeah. Well, and then we just got to see the team Tuesday in the home opener, and you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Coleman there. You know, it was 2-22-22, and he had two two RBI hits, and the game started at 2 p.m. I thought that was really <laughs> what cool. What a stat master. <laughs> no, the I master thought, of all thought, time, space, and dimension awesome. right here. But uh, I, did you see anything different from them being in, in Arlington and then coming home, being on the home field? And I mean, that, that game was 4-4. They could have easily lost it, and they pulled it away and, and, and won it 8-4. They did. They, they jumped out with some big hits late. There were some good pitching performances. I think what came down, part of it, Pete, was they looked a little more comfortable. They had some better ABs. That was, that was a differentiator for Washburn for me in Arlington. He had some really good ABs. There was a couple where you're like, ooh, you know, you kind of got blown away in that one. But approach matters, you know, and, and they kind of joke. You know, Coach Tadlock always talks about pitch to pitch. We're going to go play baseball the right way. But he means that stuff, you know, and that is the approach. Get out there and work your way through an AB and, and be an intellectual player rather than just throwing it away. And I think that you started to see some of these guys up and down the lineup take more intentional and better at-bats. Um, and they were just a little more comfortable. And when you break down Arlington, and I know we will a little bit more later, but you had some tough games. I mean, nobody walked out of that Auburn game and just felt like you got your butt whipped. It's a 2-1 game. You couldn't scratch one across. You had a review at the plate. I mean, all those things come into play. It's just baseball in that, at that point. And so um, I think that that weekend was more positive than maybe the record looked. And I think you're just seeing some guys getting used to playing baseball again right now. All what right. do you think the oh, one more? Just what do you think the attitude of the guys is coming in here, especially the guys that are back? Just after last year, they were right on the doorstep, and, and Stanford took it to them, and mm-hmm. uh, they were right there close. And just every year they're there. Uh, you know, here comes another opportunity. I think they're hungry. I think that from what I've seen, just sitting nearby, that the the uh, culture and the camaraderie on this team is strong it seems like they really enjoy playing together Kurt Wilson talked about that after the walk-off against Michigan in the season opener I think last year too you just cannot talk about the 2021 season without talking about injuries and talking about how many this team dealt with what they overcame pitching before the season during the season Dylan Noisy and then I mean Cal Conley very sick in that super regional throwing up on the field and all the other injuries and guys you'd lost and replaced I think they're hungry and they're looking for a season that all of that adversity doesn't get thrown at them and you can just go play baseball and earn what you can earn. And uh, I think that that you're going to see them all step into that. All right, we're going to talk more Red Raider baseball with our friend Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout. When we come back here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd and Marsha Sharp Freeway on Rock 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Pete's Tire and Service in Ropesville and South Plains College. 
All right, we are back here on the Rocket pregame. Our friend Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout, which, by the way, is a great follow on Twitter if you like Texas Tech baseball. And uh, it's just at Red Raider Dugout, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So RedRaiderDugout.com is the, is the website. Okay. Yeah, with coverage. Yeah, Keith, it's it's interesting because I feel like uh, every time I see you now, we're somehow involved in 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 food is nearby because we're here at <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings today. And the last time I saw you, we were uh, judging the uh, Hub City Barbecue cook-off, mm-hmm. you know, and and ate uh, more barbecue than any two humans should in one in one day. <laughs> no but, doubt. You know, but uh, somebody had to do it, and That's it, right. was, it was a tough gig, but we we fought through, and you know. But uh, so yeah, I guess we can't we can't visit unless there's food. So yeah, know, just just putting that out there. But uh, uh, but yeah, talking Red Raider baseball, and then, of course the you know the season kicked off that that big uh, you know pretty high profile tournament there it in is. Arlington, the State Farm Classic, and Tech didn't fare as well as which you know you you always hope that they're going to. But that's a you know that's that's a heck of a way to kick off a season against top level competition, and you know they won one game. But yes. uh, thoughts from that? I mean, I thought. It was always going to be a tough weekend. You know, Auburn is uh, a great, an, an excellent SEC team. I mean, a strong team. The last time the Red Raiders were in Omaha, Auburn was there with them. Um, you had Michigan, who Tech has a long history with, swept in Lubbock in 19, knocked out in Omaha by the Wolverines at the last time you were there. And then Arizona, a team that was in Omaha last year, and you have a former Red Raider on that squad. Tanner Otrimba was starting in right field and uh, was a big part of that postseason run for them and a huge part of their weekend. And every team in the tournament had a, had a projected first rounder, basically, or every team the Red Raiders faced, at least. Mm-hmm. And so you just had some major talent. Uh, Dave Van Horn, the coach of, of Arkansas, who was not there this year, but he came out and said, I'd go to State Farm every single year if I could. It's just a good tournament. It's well run. You're in this big league park. There's no weather delays. Uh, and so I, I think that it's a big atmosphere, and I said to Coach Tadlock after the uh, Auburn loss, we talked about Trendon Paris, which he made his first appearance for Tech in that game. Um, and or excuse me, it was um, yeah, it was Trendon Paris after that Auburn game. And I said, man, that's a long way from Poolville, Texas, to the mound at Globe Life Field. You know, in this big oh, league yeah. park with a big with a big crowd. And, uh, and and we laughed a little bit about that because you had don't forget you have true freshmen walking into a situation that was huge you oh, know yeah. and and again you're not opening the season with a four game stand against Maine which you've done in the past at home now you're there doing doing that against these big teams I thought there were a lot of positives I thought Brendan Girton showed us early on what he's going to be this year and he was again on Tuesday he's been throwing perfect innings had perfect outings Trendon Parrish is a fiery competitor I mean he was seven pitches into his d1 career and he's staring down batters as he strikes them out you know i mean i thought you saw a lot of those kinds of things i thought generally your starting pitching was pretty good Uh, there was moments that you didn't like but generally i mean i thought there was good stuff for a first weekend Uh, and you saw that again tuesday against dallas baptist except for one swing really chase hampton was great in five innings as well and kind of picking up where he left off filling in last year when when birdsell got injured uh, overall, I mean, I thought you saw some pretty good defensive work from the Red Raiders. I thought that Saturday especially they came out looking really good just defensively in the field. Parker Kelly took over at third base, and, and that was uh, just a little tweak of the hamstring of Easton Morrell, and so just you know being cautious with that. Kelly's a great defender, and his bat has gotten going a little bit too, so you're glad to see him getting some hits in these games. and. Uh, being a great option for you, which he has been his whole career. You know, some of these guys, we were just talking about it before we came back, some of these guys have been here five years, and some of them 
are brand new, and you had 10 guys go to pro ball and about the same number transfer out last year, so there are just a lot of new faces. You know, there's three uh, transfers that have come in from big schools. Ty Coleman came from A&M. He's been DHing for you. Dalton Porter, who's started now three games in left field for you, transferred from the University of Texas. And uh, Cooper Swanson transferred from Florida State. He was your starting left fielder in the first game. And so they've all had their moments in the scrimmages. Cooper Swanson had a, had a day that he hit for the cycle in a scrimmage, uh, except he messed it up by hustle playing it out to second instead of hitting a single, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so they have their moments. You know, they've all showed some things. But I'll go back to what uh, Kendall Rogers said with D1, you know, just couldn't believe that Ty Coleman was hitting DH for Texas Tech in this opening weekend when he was a 235 hitter at Texas A&M before. Yeah, well, he just came out on Tuesday, and I, like I said, he's leading your team with four RBI, and he had a he had a two for four day and a walk, you know, and run scored. So I'm not complaining about that. I don't really care what he did, you know, at Bluebell Park in right. College Station. Yeah. So. Um, I, again, in Tadlock we trust, and all of those guys as far as what they're seeing. And, you know, yeah, the chess pieces are moving. The, the evaluation is going on throughout the season. But where I like where the team is at right now. I liked where you were coming out of that weekend. Hey, nobody wants to have a 13-2 boat race against Arizona. Welcome to baseball. It happens sometimes. Um, Tanner Otrimba, they have a, a first projected first-rounder at catcher for Arizona. He was completely overshadowed by Tanner Otrimba, the right fielder, who had a, like, 1,200 on-base percentage. I mean, he slugged, like, 563 on the weekend and hit 500. Five of those were extra base hits of his yeah. hits. I mean, come on. You yeah. know, like, sometimes teams just get hot offensively. They were hot. Um, they got all over you, and, and away you go. And then what you saw... What a smart coach will do early in the season, you work some guys in. You start moving some guys through the mound. You get them in a situation, try to make them deal with it. I mean, that's going to pay dividends later. Do you want to be hot in the opening weekend, or do you want to be hot in June? I right. personally would like to be hot in June. Yeah. So um, I think that that's what I came out feeling like, and it wasn't, it wasn't feeling bad, you know, in this yeah. team. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, we were talking, too, about, you know, you mentioned some of the guys that had transferred in and all. And this always, to me, one of the hardest things to to, you know, for baseball season at the beginning, because it seems like every year there's so many newcomers, mm -hmm. and there's there's just a high you know a high number of guys that get drafted, so you lose those guys, and then the whole transfer thing in college sports has just added a whole other layer. Mm -hmm. Were there any guys that transferred out of Tech that that you know surprised you a little bit that you know? Maybe not knowing the whole story, but there are some sure. of the names that made you go, wow, I didn't see that coming. I think there's two that most fans would think. I think Micah Dallas is first on that list. Um, he had been a starter for you, a Friday night starter at one point, then a big guy out of the pen. He transferred to Texas A&M, uh, and he did get a start this weekend for the Aggies. I think that for a really close observer, it wasn't a big surprise. I think Dallas wants the chance to be drafted as a starting pitcher, and that was important to him, and so he wanted that opportunity. Um, and he moved on and, and, you know, more power to him. I think the other that maybe not a surprise to a really close observer, Nate Rombach moved on. Uh, he caught for you some, you know, was really a big bat for you his freshman year and then not quite so much last year. Uh, he went on to Dallas Baptist, and I think he got on with a couple walks Tuesday. You know, you faced him and when he came back here to Rip Griffin Park. Those were two big ones that moved yeah. on that, that were a surprise to some extent. Uh, Max Marshock had struggled to really break into the lineup for you. He moved on to Louisiana, had a pretty good weekend. Uh, Levi Wells was a pitcher you saw quite a bit. He struggled with some command here at Tech, and uh, he's gone on to Texas State. He started the back half of a doubleheader on Saturday. So, you know, you want guys to get opportunities. There's right. only so oh, yeah. many that can be on the field at a That's time. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, and I've asked Coach Tadlock about that in the past when we faced 
former players and you know every one of them you got a relationship you wish them well you want them to be successful you don't feel bad when they are like Tanner Otrimba had some big swings for you at Tech has gone on to Arizona and, and built himself a, a good spot there and, and that's great good for them you know but that it's all it's just the nature of as right. you guys know the nature of college sports oh, yeah. at this point more than ever yeah well we can't have a, a segment about tech baseball without bringing up uh, jace young uh you know preseason big 12 player what's your assessment of him and some say he's better than josh so what, what do you think you know i think jace has maybe more natural power than josh i mean that's what we see in in scrimmages and things like that uh he's a little different from a personality standpoint He's uh, definitely, you know, Josh is very cerebral, very, he's zen, he's meditating, you know, he's, he's very in tune with his body, things like that. And, um, and Jace, not that Jace is not a cerebral baseball player, but he's just a different personality out there. And uh, he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. I think he would probably feel that way right now. Uh, Michigan really pitched around him a lot. He found some ways to get on base in that Michigan game. Uh, but, you know, they were definitely pitching around him. And, and then and he drew a couple walks. And then um, I asked Coach Tadlock after the Auburn game about what, how they were pitching him in that one, and he said, hey, that's what he's going to see. You know, he, late in games, they're just not going to let him see a pitcher more than once, and that was big. So really the question for Jace, I mean, I think defensively he's solid. Uh, I think you want to see the bat get going a little bit right now, but that's really going to be up to his teammates too. You know, they're going to have to, and right now it's Stillwell and Washburn uh, that have been around him. You've also seen Kurt Wilson batting after him. Coleman was batting in the three-hole on Tuesday, those guys have to go. You have yeah. to force a team to pitch to Jace. You know, you can't just give them that free pass. And so um, when you're able to do that, when everybody is rolling and that bat and that lineup is going, you know, one through eight, one through nine, which the Red Raiders have certainly had in years past, uh, then he's going to be really dangerous. We're joined by Keith Patrick of RedRaiderDugout.com, which is a great site. Y'all do a great job covering tech baseball. Over there. Thank I you. I really enjoy it. Uh, I wonder if you have any insight. You know, I cover recruiting for 24-7 sports. Uh, baseball kind of gets lost in the shuffle because of football dominates in basketball. But, uh, you know, of course, I do notice that, obviously, Tadlock posts top 20 classes, like, year in and year out. His staff does a great job. I was just wondering if you could provide some insight into how they get that done every year. You know, I think that, one, it's, it's a willingness to work. And what I've noticed with J-Bob and Coach Tadlock, you know, where a lot of base, and, and I'll also shout out to Kirby Hocutt making uh, resources available there. And we've seen it with basketball, too. Yep. Tech willing to pour in resources and to go that next step, you know. And um, I think where you have big, you know, 15U, 16U, whatever those tournaments are, you know, in, in travel ball, things like that. There's a lot of coaches looking at film. There's a lot of coaches looking at perfect game. There's Red Raider coaches hanging on the fence in person. And I think it's the same thing on, you know, you, you're watching a game and say J. Bob Thomas is coaching third, which he hasn't been this year right now, but, you know, they kind of swap that out with their own superstitions. Um, <laughs> is that what that is? I, so yeah, know. That, I think it's pretty much a superstition. <laughs> I could awesome. be wrong, but, you know, there's probably, there might be more to it than that. But, but, you know, you see a game where he's missing, it's because they're willing to send him off and, and say, hey, no, we got to be at, at these places, you know, and build these relationships. And so some of it's that willingness to work. I think that they have a really good idea idea beyond the skills of baseball the type of kid they want to bring in the personality of kid what fits the program and i've had j bob tell me about certain kids along the way like hey this guy needs to be at tech his family and he he will love texas tech and so some of it's just showing them the personality of 
what Red Raiders are about, what that program's about. I think that's where some of the success, because the success comes from, because obviously we're a little bit behind in, in uh, facilities right now. Yeah. You know, with as many, with as, and I mean, obviously the commitment's there, $14 million, million new facility going up, but many teams are building new stadiums, new ballparks right now, and so you're fighting against that, and your new clubhouse isn't built yet, you know, so you can show, you can show renderings, but for these guys, I think relationships is, is really the name of the game, and I mean, I'm putting a J. Bob Thomas and Joey McGuire comp together, you know, as far as, wow. as, far as building relationships with kids, I think that's what it's about. That makes perfect sense for, with all the success. Yeah. It, it's interesting how there seems to be more, um, you know, the synergy between all the sports right now. With oh, you, yeah. We talked about McGuire and attending all the games and, you know, and just the all the enthusiasm. It almost feels contagious. And, you you know, one leads one sport inspires the other, which inspires the other. Mm-hmm. And they're just, you know, and the fans get excited about all of them. And it, and it just seems like uh, it's all just on the rise that's a shout out to the fans though i mean we know all of us here know what a great fan base this is and these recruits come in whether it be football going to a basketball game or going to a baseball game and all the way around they see it they see this fan base they see how crazy it is they see how they love uh you know their players their teams and then the culture of just how great west texans are Mm -hmm. you know down to earth they recognize the recruits when they're on campus they point them out they introduce themselves and it makes a difference i i see it in recruiting all the time well, I don't think for a second that recruits don't notice. Like you said, on social, you know, when, oh, yeah, when tech's lead, Tech leads these leaderboards, you know, with, with hundreds of thousands of impressions on social yep. media, they see that. When they, when they announce their commitment or announce that they've received an offer and they see fans congratulating them, welcoming them, that kind of yep. stuff in their mentions, they notice. Heck, man, other schools aren't doing this, you yeah. know. They're, they're yeah. not seeing that kind of stuff. It's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout dropping by today on the Rockin' pregame. And, uh, man, we love when you stop by, and maybe you can uh, we'll carve out some more time in your yeah. busy social schedule, you know, and maybe come back and, you know. I'm baseball-free today. So, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. It worked out good today. This is probably a good day. So, yeah, we'll see if, we, see if it'll work out again. But we'd love to have you uh, back to talk Red Raider baseball early in the new season. And uh, it's always fun this time of year to – you know, just kind of see where it all goes and what develops and no where doubt. the Red Raiders end up. So, uh, Keith, thanks again, and uh, have a good weekend. Stay warm. I know it's going to be a little chilly uh, maybe this weekend for baseball. Let's we'll get the duck hunting know, gear out. You know, you know <laughs> there you go. Have to roll with it. There you, you know, go. I think that's right. frowned upon at the stadium. Yeah. But, you know, as far as, you know, depending on how much, you know, gear you bring. All right. Well, we come back here. It'll be time to talk more Red Raider basketball here in the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd and Marsh Sharp Freeway on Rock. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Sponsored by Cotton Court Hotel, The Equipment, and Weston Water Well Drilling and Pump Service. Texas Tech basketball. All right, man, we've got a nice crowd here today. Everybody coming out for some wings and uh, something uh, cold to drink on a cold day. Sounds you know, pretty good to something, me. Something cold to drink never is. There's no bad weather for that, actually. They got whiskey, think about too. It. That'll keep you warm. That's right. That, that'll warm you right up. That's what I do. That's the nice secret. Fire, of, some whiskey. That's the secret of the Rock and Pregame show right there. So, no, just kidding. Um, but uh, thanks again to uh, Keith Patrick coming by to talk some Red Raider baseball. But now it's basketball. Back to that again. Um, but uh, I guess you got so the uh, Red Raiders on the road tomorrow playing TCU in Fort Worth. Yep. And so I'm sure there will be a, a nice amount of Texas Tech fans at that game. And it's on ESPN, too. 
if you're uh, unable to to make the trip to or, play on that ugly court they have there. Or unable gosh. to get a hold of Pete because he loves it when you ask him Dude, what channel the game is on. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's yeah. Bet you're the go-to man. Yeah, hey, here's the game. I'm just going to on Twitter. Some people ask call Pete. like two minutes before the game. I mean, you think I'm sitting at the station? I mean, it's just insane to me. But uh, let's just tell you, ESPN two tomorrow. ESPN2 Monday when they host Kansas State, uh, the home finale. Yeah, all right. But, so. you know, a lot on the line in this one. You beat TCU, you sweep them, you sweep Baylor, you sweep Texas, you go 6-0, and which should be huge in the state. Yeah, to be the state champs here, yeah. You know, TCU, that they're another one of those teams that, um, I mean, there's just no easy games in the Big 12. No, there's no. just not, and there's, you never take a breather. TCU is just another one of those dangerous teams. It's easy to kind of go, well, you know, you ought to beat them. But, man, you're playing them in their place, and, and Tech doesn't sneak up on anybody now. You're on no. everybody's radar. Everybody wants to beat you, and you're going to take everybody's best shot every time you go out. So this is you know, got to be I'm ready to play. I'm actually more nervous, despite it being on, on the road and Kansas State being back at home. I'm more nervous about Kansas State. Nigel Pack is one of the best players in the in the conference, and they're just a bad fit for Tech. Sometimes with the matchups, mm-hmm. I mean, I know Kansas State's had a rough year. TCU's had a much better year, but Tech just goes out to Fort Worth and kicks their butts. Normally, yeah. I'm not. I don't want to jinx it, but I mean, normally they do. They handle TCU. I expect Tech to win by double digits tomorrow. I really do, and I just hope it's not a like fall asleep kind of thing where you, right. Kansas State coming in. You're like, oh, we're at home. It's Kansas State. Uh, we should win. I just hope that doesn't happen. And that's where it falls on the coaching staff, of course. Mark yeah, you, just, you don't want to have one of those games like that first time you played OU where right. it just seemed like nothing was working and they were just sluggish the whole time, just yeah. couldn't get out of it. Those are the kind of games you definitely hope you can you can avoid that. Well, so. Kansas State did it to you. I mean, yeah. so that's the one hope is that you want revenge against them for that loss. Because yeah. remember, Tech had that, what was it, five games in ten days or four games in yeah. ten days, yeah. something like that. And that was the end of it. It was 11 o'clock Saturday game in Manhattan, Kansas, and they just couldn't bring it. Kansas State was hungry. They shot lights out. And that's really the only recipe I see from these teams of knocking off Tech, the bottom third teams, you know, is mm-hmm. OU shooting 50% from three. Right, way Kansas over their State head. Going, yeah. yeah, just playing yeah. way over their head. Yeah. The great equalizer that is the three-point shot. Other than that, I really expect Texas Tech to handle their business. It doesn't seem to matter who's out. You know, somebody else mm-hmm. steps up. Bryson Williams does his thing. He's dominant. And it's it's either Kevin O'Banner hitting five threes or Adonis Arms going off or Clarence. Clarence Adonis right, stepping yeah. up. Yeah. Really, that's where I'm at is how's Clarence's hand after getting hurt? Uh, hopefully it's just, you know, jam fingers and he'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Daniel Bacho with his knee. Is he, you know, like, is he going to be ready to go by the NCAA tournament? And that's where we're at at this point, right? Do you expect him to even play or not? Is he definitely not playing tomorrow? I, Monday, I don't. Do you honestly, think, I don't know. I mean, if it, if it were me, I wouldn't play him. I probably wouldn't play him tomorrow. I'd yeah. play him. He needs one or two games before the NCAA tournament if he's able to kind of just keep it going. But because right. when he got COVID and he was out for a little bit, like he there was a transition period for a couple of games where he wasn't playing as good as he was mm-hmm. before that. You know, on the uh, rocking. Uh, pregame Twitter we put out, which Red Raider would you give the last shot of the season to? Bryson Williams. And everyone, uh, number one is Bryson Williams, but who would you guys give the, the last shot of the season to? Bryson Williams. Yeah. If not, Obama. I tell you, that's one concern I have about this team in the tournament is I love Terrence Shannon. He's a selfless player. He's a, he's a great player. But he's not the dude. Bryson Williams is the dude on this team. Yeah. He's the guy, if you need a shot late, you can get, him on, get it to him on the block. 
get it to him on the mid post, get it to him in the, in the pick and pop game at the top of the key. He reminds me of, of LaMarcus Aldridge offensively in that he can face you up, and there's not really anything anybody can do in terms of just one defensive player. If they double him, great. Swing it and find the open man for a good shot. Terrence Shannon doing, I don't want to call it hero ball, his <laughs> iso ball at the end, him demanding the shot or them giving him the shot, that's a mistake. That's the only gripe I have with Coach Adams and the staff is why is Terrence Shannon running ISO when you have a first-team All-Big 12 unstoppable offensive player that you should be getting the ball to in any part of the court? It doesn't matter. He's been dominant. Yeah. And if they do that in the tournament, it could cost them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it has just, cost him. It has cost him this year. Yeah, he hadn't made one of those shots. No. No it, offense. He, yeah. well, inevitably, he forces a bad shot yeah. that's heavily contested, and he misses, as opposed to Bryson Williams getting his shot off anytime he wants. I mean, he's great off the bounce. He's great on the low block. He'll face you up and hit a jumper right in your, right in your grill, or he'll pop out to the top of the key, and he's probably the best in terms of percentage. He's up there, three-point shooter right now. He yeah. takes good shots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that first game against TCU, man, the Horn Frogs came out on fire and jumped out double digits. But Tech battled back and ended up winning by 13. So you got to, you know, try to get the lead. And then that first five minutes of the second half, man, hold off on their punch and, and, and hopefully get this win in Fort Worth. And then, you know, win here also sets you up to hopefully keep winning and get the two seed yeah. and play in Fort Worth. So yeah. let's get it done in Fort Worth tomorrow. That would be huge. Let me ask you a question, one more question. Would you, if you had to pick one, would you rather Tech be able to play in, because you could do both, yeah. we'll have to see, but would you rather play in Fort Worth in the first two rounds or in San Antonio in the, in the second weekend? Like, which would you rather do? But you can't do both? No, I'm saying you can't. I think it's yeah. possible. We don't know yet. Yeah, so, but yeah, I'm saying know. if you had to choose, this is just a hypothetical. Well, like you're saying you'd go if you played like in San Diego in the first round, but yeah. you and then you go to San Antonio in San the second yeah. round. Well, you yeah, would pick the second round because that means either. you were going to win in the first round. Right. Regardless. Yeah. I don't care where we are. If we can go to San Antonio in the second round, I don't care where we play the second round. I just want to get to the second round. Yeah. But, but it would be nice, though, with that stepped-up level of, of excitement and all, and to be that close to home and yeah. have tons it of Red Raider fans. Of course, at this point, I don't know if there's hardly anywhere where you're not going to have a ton of Red right. Raider fans. I mean, San Diego are, sounds man. pretty good to me. Let's oh, go, yeah, I love San Diego. <laughs> Let's, Let's go make some memories go. in San Diego. Let's yeah. go. San, San Diego, San Antonio, the New Orleans. I mean, boy, what, a, well, that'd what, be, a, uh, what a trip. I, yeah, I love all those towns. Let's do it. Yeah, that's three awesome places right there. I like New Orleans. Right. I like San Antonio, too. Some it's good li li uh, liquids out there. Yeah. Coming up. <laughs> co coming up. Like Pete, blue cheese? Pete breaks down <laughs> That's his what I was referring to, yes. top ten towns he'd like cheese. to visit. <laughs> With blue cheese. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, I, I'm not. I tried it, but I'm not a fan of drinking the blue cheese. I tried it, Pete. Who I, is other than and, Pete? And Pete, like, you're the only guy. I That's like your thing, man. I listen. I'm gonna throw up on the air. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up in our next segment, Jared, right we're taking the challenge. Yeah, it coats the stomach. It's just, it's just not pink like Pepto-Bismol. Which, which is worse, the blazing challenge, or Pete drinking? A gallon I don't like food cheese. challenges. I think I've lost every I beat Pete food challenge. I like to enjoy my You haven't food. done the blue cheese challenge, though, have you? No, I've done other challenges. I've okay. not done well, like eating 70 rolls at a place. And I went and oh. practiced and did it. And in the challenge, my stomach expanded with the bread. I only ate like 13 and got sick. Wow. But I love rolls, man. I could put rolls away, man. Bread is it. Bacon, <laughs> bread, and blue cheese. It's a third one on the list now.
I mean, bacon, who could bread, argue with bacon, blue cheese, the three Bs, man. All right, I love it. Okay, when we come back. Can we, can we get that? Blue cheese, Pete, as Brady said. If we can uh, get, if we can get Pete out of the blue cheese, we'll have an update on the Lady Raiders coming yes. up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rocket pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings on West 82nd on Rock 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Meineke, Sanko, and Bud Light. Lady Raider Basketball. Yeah. <clears throat> Time for some Lady Raider Basketball on the Rockin' Pregame Show. Tech right now sitting at 10-16 and 16 overall. 3-12 and 12 in conference, uh, a couple losses in, in the last week. Again, uh, right in the mix. Uh, they had Kansas, and they, they lost by three um, in the pink game at home. Uh, man, they, they battled and tied. The, they actually took the lead uh, in the final minute, and then Kansas got a, a bucket with uh, 24 seconds left and, and pulled that one out. And then uh, West Virginia at home the other night, Wednesday night, they lost by 11. So actually now Tech has lost 10 games by 11 points or less, and probably half of those are, are five points or less. So, you know, you're right there. You just you got to get to win in some of these games. On the schedule now, uh, they are on the road tomorrow at Iowa State. Uh, that's a team that was uh, ranked 13th the first time you saw them back on January 29th, and uh, Iowa State won that one, 86-65. And then Wednesday, uh, March 2nd, as gosh, we're almost done with February. Uh, it's the final home game of the year uh, taken on TCU, and that's a game, man, when you played them back on January 19th, you lost by a single point to TCU. So, uh, you know, some opportunities coming up, and from there they actually wrap up the regular season against Baylor. So, you know, uh, Vivian Gray's uh, over 2,000 points, doing some good things. Other players are stepping up, Jeff. So, you know, it's a chance here to, to kind of, uh, you know, hopefully get some momentum going into the conference tournament and, uh, you know, again, you know, preparing for even for next year, uh, getting some players in and seeing some time. You had two players with season-ending injuries that, uh, you know, again, this team's overcome a lot of adversity all year long, and uh, Krista Gerlich has them going. But, uh, you know, you got at Iowa State tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, it's crazy how, you know, at times, I mean, you know, they've knocked off those highly ranked teams and looked really good, and then you see the overall record, you know, in conference, and you're just like, man. Yeah kind of a head scratcher a little bit you know but uh, i've enjoyed watching vivian gray play this year uh just to, you know what a what an p- amazing player she is and uh, i still think that uh, coach gerlich will get things you know really turned around i mean i look for him those next couple of years to be contending again so and gerlich said that this is just the foundation yeah she, she says this is like year two of the thing that there will be more and better and better in three four and five the, the, it's just she's laying the foundation with these players and these players are buying into the culture yeah and that's and yeah but you yeah you can tell she's really she's really doing some uh, some good things so the future you know i think is going to be bright for uh for the lady raiders and uh, get them right back up there with uh, some you know all the other uh sports uh right now at texas tech well she also talked about there I, I can't remember where they are but i think they're in the top 10 in attendance in the nation for women's basketball and she said 13. that what's 13 13 yeah so really high up but that says a lot that the crowd is so good, yet the team isn't winning. One, they're supporting the Lady Raiders, Texas Tech Athletics, but two, they understand 
you know, this Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, the Eiffel Tower wasn't built in one day. Yeah. I mean, this takes some time to build a program, and you got the right architect in Krista Gerlich leading the way, and the fans are there. And so I think more and more are going to come when the winning comes. And so, again, just like these games, you're so close to winning, you're so close to putting it over the top and, and making this team a, a good, uh, you know, contender. All right, when we come back here, we're gonna, it's the full court press. It's always uh, three interesting questions, and uh, we'll wrap up the show with that uh, coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Buffalo Wild Wings, which is a great place to come today for some wings and something cold to drink. And uh, we always say Friday, you might as well just knock off for the rest of the day because you're not getting anything done today. It's Friday. It's Friday afternoon. Nobody feels like doing anything, so why kid yourself? Why yeah. even? Why even make your boss even think that you even care that much on a Friday afternoon? So just I can, cut your losses and, and, and come out here. You know, we're so I, West Eighty Second here. So yeah. I don't have to do that two thirty meeting today. Um. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the one that told you to be there. So oh. you should just say you're not going to. Can fact, you write him a note? In fact, Sean, I'm not going. Yeah. How about that, Pete? Do you want to be there? No. Do I have to? Well, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah. Somebody well, needs to be there. Guys. So okay. I'll, thank you. All I'll right. Take the bullet. Oh, what a guy. Okay, well, wow. see, done. I've Let's been the wing before. Okay. <laughs> All right, more to come here. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101. This is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beer. Sponsored by Fortenberry Roofing, Wiley Implements, and Hub City Body Shop. Full Court Press. Three questions, no hedging. Time to get your opinions on the record. It's the Full Court Press. Pete, Red Raiders have won two out of the last three Big 12 indoor track championships. Last year, Texas beat the Red Raiders 141 points to 133. How many points will the Red Raiders have this year, and will they win? And I'm talking about the men, not the women. Well, man, I didn't know there'd be some math here today. You know, I know the men are. I didn't give the I didn't give it the math question, yes. Jared. I know they were thankfully, the, mercifully, you know, the men are ranked fifth. So, uh, I'll say right in the middle of that, I'll go one thirty-six. Uh, I don't know if that's going to get them the win. I know it's real chilly out there in Iowa, but thank God it's indoor. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say one thirty-six, and they win. Jared, who will win the big game this weekend in the Big Twelve? Kansas at Baylor. Kansas. Very right. nice. That's my analysis. Boy, that's 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 deep. Kansas. <laughs> Will Kansas lose two games? No. They've got that. They got that tough stretch though coming they've, up. They've right? got Kansas. They might drop one. They're not losing two. Not even with five games in in eleven days. Nope. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jeff. He's not hedging. I mean, you know. Oh boy, that's that's. <laughs> no I mean, we're talking yeah. right there. Per, per the rules. No push pull here. That's right. <laughs> Jeff, Red Raider that will lead the team. In rebounding against TCU, um, I'm you know what? Just gut reaction. I think O'Banner. That's, that's a good choice. That's a very good choice. Right. And that, my friends, is your full court press. It's waiting for the buzzer. Well, we, I thought you were going to say full court press and then hit the buzzer. Yeah, but we have a new thing now where you say full. No, I was waiting. I was waiting for the buzzer. I was waiting for the buzzer. I wasn't aware of that. I love yeah. y'all's back and forth. I tell you, just have a segment of y'all. Oh just my gosh! You um, know, we've been dealing with each other for twenty. Yeah, it's odd been years. a while. So uh, anyway, all right. Now let's not. Uh, yeah, it's not that bad. We know who's the woman. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Sean? Wings, or will we be at next week? Um, That's a good question. We will, we'll be at the, uh, let's see, where are we here? This one, it's University. University. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. we'll be at the University location. Okay. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I Pete. just wanted to be prepared. Well, we, 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 we'd miss you if you weren't there. Well, I, I might go to the wrong one. I was going to say, you might, be, still be, you might right be out one. on that's the like, 19th I, or out something. Out of all of us, I'd be the one to do that. Let's right? be honest. <laughs> there are times where, where he goes, he'll text me, where are you at today? Yeah. It's hard to keep up with, you know. You you just see if when you're a guy, it's hard to remember anything really. I have too you much know? responsibility. I, you know it's what? clear. That's you know, a like, true statement. Going on in my it's hard to remember anything. Huge yeah. My my wife, it's way, my wife travels a lot for her work. And so she has, you know, she'll she'll go on the, on these trips and she'll be she, sometimes she has to go like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or something, you know. And and I'll say like Monday I'll be like Oh, uh, hey, uh, where, where are you going this week? <laughs> well, and she'll tell me. And she'll say, well, you know, uh, Tuesday I'm going to Midland, then I'll be in San Angelo, and then I'll wrap up in Wichita Falls, and I'll be home uh, Thursday evening. Oh, that's, not, that's not a lot, really. But I but, swear to yeah. you, the next day she'll be gone, and I will go, dang, where, where is she? I don't even know what town my wife is in. So then I'll have to call and say, okay, now, you're in, because, uh, you know, and it's, you got to be delicate with that because if you don't, you know, if you ask the question. You don't care just, too many you don't times. Even, yeah, yeah, you don't even know where I'm at. You don't care about so, it. So it's like, yeah, how are things uh, out there? In, yeah, in your, your neck of the woods today, you know, and hoping that you can get some sort of a hint as to where. And then, well, of course, yeah, you know, Midland's like that a lot, you know. and but. Well, I hope it would be even worse if it's like your anniversary day and you don't realize that. Oh, it's June 10th. I don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, you can't forget that. But, but here's what I did, though. I, I, t I, got, I got a little uh, dry erase board that now hangs on the side of our refrigerator, and I just have her write down her schedule for the week. And that way, all I have to do is go, yes. oh, okay, she's in Odessa today. That's I got you. And, so, then, yeah, it and then she puts out his uh, food and little knapsacks and, and puts out his red and blue nap mats. Sounds pretty good, really. Listen, Sean, you know, you know what? Life, I, I can dude, appreciate yeah. you be you, but keep your fantasies maybe <laughs> off the air, okay? <laughs> and that's that, a my little, friends, is your full court press. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, thanks for... That was part of it? Thanks for... That was the hedging part, yeah. Thank you for uh, for uh, listening to the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' pregame live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Today. Yeah, we'll be at University location next week and from Rock 101.